so much was birthed out of that place. Um, I changed. I my husband was committing adultery, and I was screaming about what he was doing. And at the same time, I had become so bitter and hateful um, to the point where I had, was struggling even with the spirit of murder because I had become so upset that he was treating me the way he was. I began to inquire of the Lord about why I was having to go through what I was having to go through. And that's when God began to reveal to me um, the ancestral demonic activity of how the doors had been opened because of Elijah Muhammad having 23 illegitimate children outside of my great grandmother's marriage. So it was a very strong curse of uh, adultery that on my bloodline um, and then my grandfather had 10 children outside of my grandmother's union. And then my father has been married numerous of times. So it was a very strong spirit of covenant breaking in my bloodline. And I was contending for the promises of God and for my marriage. And it was painful. But God required me to stay in that place. And in that place, he eventually turned my heart. This is Charisma Connection on the Charisma Podcast Network. I'm Chris Johnson. Today I have a very interesting guest. Marie Muhammad is one of the great-granddaughters of the founder of the Nation of Islam. She appeared on the cover of Charisma magazine in June 2003, so we know some of her story and we're going to hear more of it today. Just last year, she had her memoir published, and we'll talk about that a bit, as well as how God is restoring her and using her to serve young moms in need in the Chicago area. So, Marie Muhammad, welcome to Charisma Connection. Thank you so much, Christine. I appreciate it. I'm honored to be on your show, and thank you for having me. It's great to have you. Now, uh, you do have an interesting story. You come from an interesting family, and you talked in the Charisma article that I referenced about growing up as a great-granddaughter of the founder of the modern-day Nation of Islam. Could you tell us about the man called the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and also the price you paid to follow Christ? Wow, that's a that's a weighty question. Yes. So yes, my great grandfather was the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. And coming from that background, um, the price, it was a great price. Um, I had to suffer a lot as a child. My mom, uh, coming from that background, my mom was a Christian and my father was a Muslim, of course, coming directly from the bloodline. And with that, we were given the opportunity to come to faith. I was the youngest of four. By the time I was nine years old, my grandfather had decided after enrolling us in Arabic lessons and beginning to groom us to become Muslims, um, he had decided that he, by watching me, he knew, me even being the youngest, that he knew that I knew what I was doing. And I began to seriously reject the religion, sitting in the car at times, being taken to the mosque, um, wandering off when we would be trained in Muhammad Ali's mansion with private Arabic lessons and just excluding myself. And just from that, after the time I was nine years old and the rest of us, my grandfather stopped all of the privileges. The money stopped. Uh, we weren't even allowed to come around. 
Um, and with that, my mom was a single mother and my father, unfortunately, was not paying child support. And so we lived in the city of Chicago, which most know as the Windy City. Mm-hmm. We even lived with no heat for like years. It was oh, so cold. It was we very were, cold yes. there in Chicago. Yes. It was cold. We would put the milk on the back porch. We oh, didn't wow. even have a we my, we didn't even have a it got so bad where we didn't even have a refrigerator. The kitchen I talk about this in details in my book. The kitchen wasn't even operable, you mm. know. And so it was really bad. When I say we suffered, um, we went without a lot because we rejected uh, not becoming Muslims. Hmm. And maybe that's partly why you have a heart for single moms these days. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. I, I was curious, though. You said that uh, your family had a relationship with the boxer, Muhammad Ali. Tell us about that. Yes. Yeah, so my grandfather, Elijah Muhammad, actually being my great-grandfather, appointed my grandfather, his son, which was the fourth child that he had. He was, Jabra Muhammad was Muhammad Ali's actual manager, and he managed him from 1966 to 1981. And um, we had privileges to be around him often. So when my grandfather would pick us up, we were able to go to his match in Hyde Park, in the Hyde Park area, and we were able to go there and play, um, had a birthday party, beautiful birthday party one year. So, yeah, Muhammad Ali was very nice to our family. My parents actually, before my birth, my oldest two siblings, uh, they lived in the basement with Muhammad Ali, my parents, and uh, them until um, when, when he was married to his first wife, Belinda. Mm-hmm. Well, it must have been quite a change to be used to going to his mansion to living in, in a very poor situation, you might say. Yes, very hardening, very, very difficult. You know, when I see a Jehovah's Witness or a Mormon sort of working a neighborhood, I always pray against their false gospel because I believe they are deceived and they are deceiving other people. Do you feel that way about Islam or black Islam in particular? Yes, I do. Um, I feel like that's one of my main assignments, not the only one, but one of my main assignments is to uncover the basic foundation at the root, like Jesus laid the axe to the to the root of the tree, um, that was one of the things that John the Baptist did. And I feel like the truth needs to be revealed because a lot of people don't even know the lies that my great grandfather taught um, and the foundation that the Nation of Islam is actually was built on many, many years ago because it's also evolved into a different Jesus that now is preached. So, yes, I definitely believe that. Now, you were saved at 17, I understand, and you said your mother was a Christian. How did your mother get to be a Christian? My mom was just a Christian. We weren't even raised in church. So what my mother actually did, we did, we weren't raised in the church. She taught us that Jesus Christ was Lord. So that hmm. was the only mustard seed we had. Like, we literally did not go to church growing up, and that's why I believe that anyone can be saved. Like Jesus said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. When God gets ready to draw a person by his spirit, which is what he does, and sends out ministering angels to minister to those that are going to be heirs of salvation, he does it by his Holy Spirit. And it's supernatural. It's an invisible work. And that's what God was doing. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, sometimes God just, you know, uses things supernaturally, like dreams a lot of times to reach Muslims or 
people who don't have exposure to the church or Christianity. So it's, a, you know, it's a beautiful thing. It really is. Yeah. And it takes God drawing us to him. Jesus let us know in the word that we can't come to him except he draws us. And that's one of the things I shared even in my Holy Spirit podcast. You know, we have to um, pray and ask the Lord to draw our loved ones to Christ so that God can be revealed. When Jesus asked his disciples, whom did men say that he was, um, it was only Peter that was able to answer. And that's always been so uh, a passage for me that has always been so um, one of my favorites. Um, and, and Peter answered him and he told him that he was the Christ. But Jesus also, his answer back was that flesh and blood had not revealed that to him, but his father, which was in heaven. And so it takes a revelation from the father in heaven. Um, it's not just us sharing the word of God. It actually takes the Holy Spirit through the revelation of the spirit of God to reveal who Christ is for people to come to him. Indeed, it does. Now, you had your memoir published in 2020. It's called Overcoming the Shipwrecks of Your Life on Broken Pieces. So what kind of shipwrecks were you talking about in that title? Well, first of all, I want to even share about the backdrop of why why I named it that. And then mm-hmm. we'll go, I can go right into that question and answer. So Paul was in a shipwreck, a really bad one. Um, from Acts 27 and verses 39 through 44 kind of outline that. And it was just off of a prophetic word that he was able and the whole crew was able to survive um, knowing no matter how bad that shipwreck got, that none of them was going to be lost, even though no one else really believed that but Paul. Um, and they ended up, the the scripture says, some on broke, all of them ended up, coming to shore but some on broken pieces and that passage right there really really struck me um, because in my personal life I named my book that and the shipwrecks that I've had to overcome are so many because of generational bloodline doors that were open um, that I had to fight a lot of different things in relationships perversion uh, idolatry broken marriage, being scorned, a scorned wife, childhood trauma. Um, so there's a lot of different things, being homeless, a lot of things that I had to overcome. But God's prophetic words and promises in my life that I got um, when I came into the church were literally the very things that caused me to not just um, just be destroyed. Mm-hmm. So God's prophetic promises mean a lot to you, it sounds like. Oh, gosh, yes. Without them, I would not have, I wouldn't be here. They literally preserved my life. I really honor the prophetic. The Bible talks about that prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. And I know a lot of people get discouraged and, you know, it's a lot of false prophets and different people say different things. But I've had so many prophetic words come to pass. Even being on this uh, platform is a prophetic word fulfilled that I received back even shortly after being in the Charisma article in 2003. Wonderful. So speaking of those shipwrecks, you mentioned some of them. Could you tell us about the difficulty that you had in your marriage and with this pregnancy? Sure. Um, I'll answer the first one with the marriage. That was really the greatest struggle of my life was tied to uh, my marriage and my fight for my future. 
So God chose to reveal and give me a burden for my future and my family. Everything was kind of like embedded. I talk about in the book, in the lining of the womb of my marriage. Um, that's where I conceived really the dream of God. I had been, re- I had been given a lot of prophetic words about different things, being a major voice, dealing with the false religion of my family, uh, how God was going to use me. But it wasn't until I began the enemy, God allowed the enemy that close. Cause that's how I felt. I felt like I was plundered like Job. Um, and I ended up losing my marriage and I ended up thinking to myself, that God was going to give him back like God gave Abraham Isaac back, but it didn't happen like that. But it kept me in that place of intercession. And so much was birthed out of that place. Um, I changed. I My husband was committing adultery. And I was screaming about what he was doing. And at the same time, I had become so bitter and hateful um, to the point where I had, was struggling even with the spirit of murder because mm-hmm. I had become so upset that he was treating me the way he was. I began to inquire of the Lord about why I was having to go through what I was having to go through. And that's when God began to reveal to me um, the ancestral demonic activity of how the doors had been opened because of Elijah Muhammad having 23 illegitimate children outside of my great grandmother's marriage. Oh, so it was that's a very amazing. strong, mm-hmm. yeah, very strong curse of an, uh, adultery that on my bloodline. Um, and then my grandfather had 10 children outside of my grandmother's union. And then my father has been married numerous of times. So it was a very strong spirit of covenant breaking in my bloodline. And I was contending for the promises of God and for my marriage. And it was painful, but God required me to stay in that place. And in that place, he eventually turned my heart um, and began to uh, have me lay my life down for my family, my my, my immediate family, my ex-husband, my late husband, and my children. Um, so, yeah, hmm. that was difficult. And what was the second part of your question, Chris? Well, I was just asking about your marriage as well as your pregnancy. Yes. So the abortion, the one that ended at 17, an abortion? Yes. Okay. So when I ended up, I I had not been with my mom. I had been on my own, moving from pillar to post. And I remember writing my letter. I got pregnant. I remember writing my mom a letter. I ended up getting abruptly put out of where I was staying because the lady that had been helping me found out. and She was told a lie, and I was put out um, immediately. And I ended up living with my mom and my aunt at the time. And I told my mother I wanted to keep my baby. I'd been working safely. I was still in high school. It was my last year, beginning of my last year of high school, actually. And I asked her, could we get a place together and keep the baby? And she said, yes. Begin to nurture, take my prenatal vitamins, go to, to the clinic, everything. I'm nine and a half weeks pregnant. And my mom walks in the apartment and one day after work, and she says, I decided that you were going to have abortion, and I made you an appointment. I was devastated. Oh, wow. I was completely devastated. And so I went through with that, not knowing the fullness of abortion, not understanding the whole thing, that, not even fully understanding at 17 back then of what I was doing. Well, I think most women who have abortions don't understand what's going on. I agree. 
And so, yeah, so I ended up aborting. And a few days later, literally, out of, out, and I know it was supernatural because um, I didn't have my name on the mailbox. It was my aunt's apartment. Um, my cousin, her son, came and handed me some uh, Christian paraphernalia that had real babe, aborted babies. I don't even know how they created that. Hmm. And I was immediately broken. Like the spirit of repentance, like I could say I wasn't in church, any of that. Just overwhelmed, convicted, sorrowful, so sorrowful. I took a bath that night and in the bath I just broke and I just cried out to God and literally I felt the tangible anointing of God fill my heart and my hands. And I didn't even know what that was until later. Hmm. Months later, I actually came into a church. I was going to school every day. My cousin was a year older than me. He was watching the Christian show. I was like, let's find us a church. We started seeking the Lord together. And he found Apostle John Eckhart, Crusaders Ministry. And we went. And in February of 1990, that following year, I joined. And I remember even going up to the altar after I joined. And I wanted to get filled with the Holy Ghost. And I went up for prayer. And the lady that was ministering to me laid hands on me and she said, the spirit of God says that you've already been filled and you just need to uh, exercise your faith so you you can begin to speak in your heavenly language. And so that was my conversion. Oh, wow. So the Holy Spirit came upon you in that anointed way and you didn't understand what was happening. Nope. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, he was with you for sure. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. He definitely convicted me of my sin mm. and my wrong. Mm-hmm. So tell us about your, your family experience today. Are you married today? Do you have children? And then, and then also your relationship with your family of origin. So I am not married. Um, I'm hoping to be married and start dating. And um, have not, I am not married. Mm-hmm. I have four children. Okay. I have three grown sons. And I have a little girl um, who's almost four at this time. So in 2016, um, I left the Lord and I went and I went back to a relationship, which was the first uh, person I'd ever been with. And he's since deceased. He died a couple years ago already. And I knew that I should not have been in that relationship. And that's why my message, again, is always... The reason I talk about broken pieces, God has restored me through these last four years, reopened the doors that I thought might never come open because of my mistakes. And I'm always very transparent about things because I want people to know that God is a, a God that does forgive, not taking his grace for granted, but he is a merciful God. And that if we have gotten off track, um, the hope in Christ is, is that we can be forgiven and we can be restored. And so that is where I'm at um, with my family. Um, As a single mom, my heart has always been, that was the most difficult thing for me to accept. Mm. Um, Having come out, I got married when I got married as a young woman with the idea that I wanted a family, not just children. So it was very difficult accepting being a single mother and having to go through a divorce. and then now I'm, I'm a single mother again. So um, I have more grace, though. I feel like with all I've been through, I'm grateful for the seasons of healing I've gone through because now that even though he's deceased and I am a single mother again, I'm doing it with a different uh, perspective 
and more whole, and I'm whole. I'm more whole than I was even back then raising my son. Well, as you say, God was restoring you all along. Yes, 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 yes. So with my um, Islamic family, and and I'm getting to know them more. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually have a video chat of Zoom coming up um, in two weeks, where we're going to be gathering on Zoom, even with my Islamic family. And we're going to be trying to get to know each other. With having so many children like that, Elijah Muhammad had outside of the marriage. It's so my family is so big that I have not even touched the surface with actually knowing all of them. So this meeting coming up is going to be um, a big deal. Mm, I imagine so. That's a great opportunity. It is. So you have a, is it your own ministry to single moms, or are you coming alongside someone working in Ruth's Vineyard? Tell us about that. So I created Ruth's Vineyard. I created it um, in 2016, and I did it right before I actually got pregnant, and I shut it down and stopped. Um, and, had, and the reason I created Ruth's Vineyard, so you understand what the purpose of it is for, it's a 501c3 with a mission to serve young women, single mothers, by providing education, support, and resources. And so once funded, um, RV will focus support on those that have chosen to give birth instead of having abortion. And so I want women, I want to offer support to help young single moms become more self-sufficient. I've been working one-on-one for years. Family, friends, I literally, people have, have, have not had abortions, even with me sharing my testimony. And I'm so grateful for that. Even, like I say, family, dear, close family, friends, and friends of friends, um, all the way from high school, even from the moment I did that, just the power of my testimony, sharing, and even giving out of my own resources. So um, this year is a year that I hope to do even more with Ruth's Vineyard um, on a larger scale, because again, even through my research and as I created it, I found, and I know for my own self, Um, Had I had the support and the resources outside of my mother, and I never wanted to be one to carry a baby and give it up for adoption. I'd never even thought about adoption at that time. I wish I had had. It's better than abortion. Um, But a lot of people have that same mindset. They fall into that. Well, if I carry the baby, I don't want to give it away. And so the thing about that is a lot of young women They don't have the support that they need, and that's one of the main reasons why they abort. And so my organization, Ruth Vineyard, um, along with the team that I have, my organization, um, that we want to be able to offer more financial support and support in just helping them to realize abortion is not the way, and, and financial support. That's what Ruth Vineyard is about. Well, that'll be a great help to young women in need, and I'm sure that you can relate to them in many ways. Yes. So you are in Chicago where there's some really strong churches. You mentioned Apostle John Eckhart. Who have you learned from and and affiliated yourself with there? So my uh, foundation was um, Apostle John Eckhart, and I was there many, many years. And from his church, I launched out with another church that came from underneath him, and my leaders are Apostle uh, Dr. Matthew Stevenson III and Camila Stevenson. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I attend church, and that's where I am growing. Very good. 
So tell us about your podcast that you have on the Charisma Podcast Network. So my podcast is called Overcomers. I feel like it encompassed, by me naming it Overcomers, God has called us all to be an overcomer. He tells us that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony and by not loving our life unto death. And I feel like um, everything that I had to overcome, uh, being a scorned wife, being a single mother, abortion, um, perversion, just different things that I've come out of, I feel as though my whole testimony is one of that I can speak to those to give offer hope, no matter what situation that they're in or find themselves in, that God is the answer and there's hope. Amen. So, Marie Muhammad, tell us how we can learn more about you, your ministry. Do you have a website? I do. It's mariemohammedspeaks.org. Um, that is an S on the end, speaks. So it's mariemohammedspeaks.org. Okay, and I want to spell your last name for everyone, and that is M-U-H-A-M-M-A-D. M-U-H-A-M-M-A-D, mariemohammedspeaks.org. That's where you can learn more about Marie and all that she's up to in ministry. So we thank you so much for being with us today, Marie. It's, it's been a, a great to get to know you and hear about your family story and all that God is restoring to you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been my pleasure. I'm Chris Johnson. You've been listening to Charisma Connection. And if you want to build yourself up spiritually, perhaps learn about some element of the Christian life you don't fully grasp or you need to grow in, like spiritual warfare or kingdom living, you'll find all that at cpnshows.com. That's our Charisma Podcast Network, where you can learn about Marie Muhammad and check out her Overcomers podcast and many more. So thanks for listening to Charisma Connection today. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible. 